it's very important to find a source of motivation and inspiration in your day-to-day work as an entrepreneur. If you, because you need that patience before your big vision or mission for your startup takes off, you need to find the wins on a daily basis that provide you that necessary motivation and inspiration. I think in the case of HealthTap or anyone providing care to patients on a day-to-day basis, the feedback comes through the patient testimonials. They're so profound. You know, when someone says, you saved my life, or you took me from a moment of pain and stress and turned it into a moment of relief and happiness, there is no greater reward. And now, from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. If you are intrigued by the intersection of healthcare and technology, two crucial elements should guide your attention, innovation and adaptability. Sean Mera, with his unique blend of biomedical engineering and a pre-med background from Yale, coupled with an MBA from Stanford, perfectly embodies these traits. As a co-founder of HealthTap, a groundbreaking virtual healthcare platform, Sean navigated the unlikely journey from the captivating realm of online gaming to the transformative world of digital health. His expertise and vision have played a pivotal role in reimagining how we assess and interact with healthcare services in a modern era. HealthTap stands as a testament to Sean's ability to marry reliable, personalized healthcare with the convenience and reach of the internet a concept once considered the distant dream. In this episode, we discuss the nuances of creating a new healthcare delivery model, overcoming challenges, and shaping the future of health through technology. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Sion. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You mentioned earlier that you're calling in from, you're visiting family in Kentucky. Is that where you're from? I am. And it's a week before the Kentucky Derby where it gets very festive here. So we're, we're looking oh, okay. forward to that fun weekend ahead. Oh, that sounds fun. I, I went, I've never, I still have not made it, but I, I heard it's really <laughs> exciting. You must buy a big fancy hat before you come. <laughs> That's uh, the only prerequisite. I was telling my son the other day, I love hat, but I don't think hat loves me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> don't worry at the derby any hat works <laughs> okay <laughs> i think I, I always like to ask uh our guests their journey what take them to where they are today so i'm asking you the same questions how do you get to where you are today what inform your decision that you want to be in this space yeah i was uh born in india and moved to this country when I was two years old, uh, living in New York. And on one hand, my father was an engineer, mechanical engineer, worked for the Indian Navy and then U.S. Navy in the engine rooms of the ships. And he really taught me to be very hands-on and to build things. And so through him, I was privileged to be given a computer at a very young age. And you know, it's a very expensive purchase back then. But my dad was unafraid and he said, 
it's okay, son, take it apart, put it together. You figure out how it works, have fun. And so from a very young age, I really got to understand hardware and software and computers and uh, was a self-taught software engineer. On the other hand, I also came from a family of a lot of doctors. So my dad's older brother is a renowned physician in New York. And not only was there a constant source of inspiration from him about the tremendously impactful work that physicians get to do and the amount their patients just adore and respect them for the impact they make in their lives. Um, but I, um, I also realized firsthand how privileged I was to have an uncle that I could text anytime I had sickness or anytime my mom or dad had a question about a symptom, he was always one call or one text message away. And when I went to school and hung out with my friends, you know, it was very clear to me, I had a benefit that many people in this country don't have. And for them, the experience of having a simple question answered at Friday night when you have a fever is much scarier and much harder than it was for me, who had a doctor in his family. And I think those two sources of inspiration eventually led me to solving this problem at the intersection of mm-hmm. software and technology and what is possible when you make it easy to access a doctor. So along the way, before you decide to do this company, what are the skill set that you learned that you gather in order to pre- help prepare you to get to what you're doing right now? Again, I think it sits at the intersection of technology and healthcare. So uh, I went to school. I was biomedical engineering. I was pre-med. Having been exposed to the field of medicine almost my whole life through my family as well, I understood what clinical care entailed, what the clinical experience was like. There were many a summer where I interned and helped manage the office of my uncle's private practice. On the other hand, I was also serendipitously exposed to consumer technology through my first startup. It was actually an online social gaming. And it wasn't something I had planned or thought I would do, but it was an opportunity in school while I was in college to start a company whose very purpose when you're building an online social game is to build a very engaging digital experience where, you know, at the end of the day, your users are just trying to have fun and be entertained but you're employing tactics in how you develop the game and the software to be very engaging, to make it so that consumers want to use your product and enjoy using your product. And it was those combination of experiences which made me think the intersection here is powerful. If you can use the tools and tricks and and, and skills that I learned in online social game in creating engaging digital consumer experiences, but rather than for entertainment, apply them towards helping consumers get trusted information, access to care, make better healthy living decisions, then you could take what is so powerful about consumer internet software and use it towards helping people live happier, healthier, longer lives like a physician does, but at much larger scale if you do it with a platform approach or an application Mm -hmm. approach. And a lot of those 
combination of thoughts are what led me to help found Health Tap, which is where I am today. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about what you learned from the gaming to the focus is how to engage so that it's entertaining. People want to play more of that game. What are, is there like a top four key features that you need to have in order to have an engaging interaction in this tech with technology that you think that also differentiate what you do at HealthTap? Yes. Um, I think one of the most fundamental observations and learnings I had through online social gaming was that people change their behavior based on the size and speed of the reward. Okay. So if you click a button and you get some nice sound and points, uh, it's addicting. And you, this is why the slot machine is so powerful and so popular because you pull a lever and sometimes you get payout, sometimes you don't. And there's immediate feedback and immediate reward and reaction to your action. Healthcare has a very big problem because the actions you take today have reactions 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And so it's very hard to gamify helping people live healthier because choosing not to smoke, choosing to exercise, choosing to eat one food over the other are little tiny actions with no immediate feedback. Slowly they add up. And so it's very hard to convince people to build healthy habits. And so I knew right out the gate that trying to build software to gamify healthy living is going up a very uphill battle. And instead, it's much easier to take an existing consumer behavior and provide them with a solution that's better than something they're doing. So attach yourself to an existing behavior rather than try to create new behaviors. And in healthcare, what I observed at this point 15 years ago, and it's still very true today, is that the most frequent consumer behavior when it comes to healthcare in this post-internet era is going to the internet and searching for your health question. (laughs) You know, Google itself says that 7% or so of their searches are health-related. To put that in absolute numbers, 1 billion times a day, a day, people go to Google to search their health question. They don't even go to the doctor's office in this country 1 billion times in the whole year. (laughs) But every day in this country, there are 1 billion health questions. So one of the sources of inspiration and origination for the company, HealthTap, was, okay, here's this consumer behavior that people are doing 365 times more frequently than going to the doctor's office. How is that experience? Is it good or is it bad? Can we make it better? And it was true then. It's still true today, 15 years later. It's not a very good experience. And many of us have this personal firsthand anecdote where you go on the internet, you search some question or symptom, and you get led down these paths where the issue seems a lot scarier than it is. You know, your, your search for headache takes you to articles about brain cancer and you're freaking out. Or you're in a forum with strangers and being told maybe vaccinations are bad for you or maybe this food is really good for you. And it's all information coming from uh, 
unknown sources with unknown credibility. And so you don't know what to trust and what is real. And the thought just occurred to me that the most trustworthy source of very personalized answers for you is still a doctor at the end of the day. Is someone who's trained for decades to be able to take your personal context and be able to give you a short, crisp, clear, and credible uh, piece of information and guidance on what to do next. And that is what led me to uh, begin this company the way it did, which was let's attach to this existing consumer behavior. Rather than building a product to try to generate new behaviors, let's take consumers who are flocking to the internet a billion times a day for health questions and give them a better alternative. Give them a way of accessing the knowledge and information they're seeking in a way that is more personalized, more trustworthy. And that led me to this idea that maybe there's a way to bring doctors to the internet to meet consumers where they already are and give them a better experience than they're getting without them. And right now, how does it work for a consumer to access your platform or technology to do that? How is that? Is that an addition to what their current doctors? Or is this something that they can replace one with your technology? So HealthTap at the end of the day is a virtual primary care practice. So today we recruit some excellent doctors with excellent training in bedside manner to take care of patients and their chronic conditions and ongoing health goals over the long run by building a relationship with that patient. So the difference between what we do and a typical primary care practice is that we're virtual, right? So instead of operating clinics and doctor's offices in different cities and areas around the country, we are able to provide our care nationwide in all corners of the country all at once by having physicians in all 50 states accessible through an app and a website. And so the product today is one where a consumer can discover us on the internet or in the app store, and they can immediately browse from a list of really wonderful doctors that we've hired to provide primary care and choose who is right for them. You know, different patients want a male or a female, older doctor, younger doctor, funny doctor, serious doctor. <laughs> so based on your preferences, you choose one doctor. And rather than do what most traditional telehealth companies have really started doing uh, over the last 10, 15 years, which is provide acute care. I have a symptom, I have a cough, I have a fever, push a button, talk to the first available doctor, get my antibiotic. Thank you so much. I feel better. Go away. We tried to create an experience that was less transactional, less about, okay, what's bothering you today? How do we solve your problem today? And we'll see you if we see you ever again. Instead to say, okay, what are your health goals? What are your chronic conditions? What are the things you want to achieve over the long run? And begin a relationship which consumers can enjoy and um, access over many, many years. So think about it. Uh, not so long ago, you had this idea of the family doctor. And it was the same doctor. And he took care of your parents. He took care of you. And he will take care of your children. And it was a trusted relationship that spanned many decades. Because once that doctor gets to know you and your family history and your preferences, not only is there a lot of trust and influence that the doctor 
has in you and you have in them. But they can make better clinical decisions. You don't have to explain yourself every time from scratch when you talk to that person. They already have your history. They know exactly what they told you last time. They can react and calibrate to their plan based on what you're saying. And that is something that many Americans have lost over the decades as the healthcare system has become more specialized and more transactional. And what we're trying to do is bring it back, this idea that having a long-term doctor to take care of you holistically and longitudinally is not only better care, but it's care that consumers want. And in this country that they really have a tough time accessing because it's become too expensive, wait times have become too long. Um, there's no doctor near them because they live in a rural area. And uh, HealthTap is solving those problems, right? By being virtual, we can help people in every corner of this country. We can operate a clinic using our technology much more efficiently than if we had to operate physical offices in expensive cities or you know, very sparsely populated rural areas and therefore be more affordable. We can deliver our care much more cost efficiently and make it accessible by price, even to people without insurance, even to people with high deductible plans, you know, who are generally underinsured. Um, uh, with or without insurance coverage, you know, at this point, $15 a month, you know, with free texting, $44 visits, it's at a price point that many Americans can afford. Relative, relative to what primary care usually costs them. So that's kind of what we do, yeah. So is this something that is a membership fee that you pay on a monthly basis, then you can see, talk to your doctor, primary care doc, anytime? Or Because when I go to see my doctor, unless it's wellness check, I have to do a copay every time, which is $20. That's right, that's right. So it depends. I mean, if you discover us off the internet and you're not using your insurance, we want to make sure that even with a credit card, it's affordable to you. So in that case, the membership fee lets you choose one doctor for $15 a month and text with that doctor as much as you need for follow-ups and clarifications between visits. And every time you need to hop on a video call, which is sometimes necessary for new diagnosis, test results, interpretation, that's a $44 visit fee. But if you access us through an insurance company with whom we have a partnership, you may have no copay, right? And there's no membership. We just work with the insurance company like any practice does. We will submit mm -hmm. the claim or the, the bill for the visit to the insurance company and not the patient. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rutnick's Global Life Sciences Group, a team of legal professionals that help life science companies lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group. Canon Quality Group has been helping medtech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. And the, the primary care doc... Do, do, are they like a W-2 with you guys or you're contracting with a wide range of primary care doc all over the country who's currently working in other institutions? There's a lot of models out there. Um, and certainly there are some providers or I should say technology platforms that take a bit of a marketplace type approach where doctors from around the country can provide virtual care through their technology. Um, what we do is actually we're a practice. So we hire doctors and they're our doctors and we, we train them and 
uh, as part of one cohesive clinical team, we agree on the standard of care and our protocols. So these are physicians who very much work for us as health tech physicians and provide a consistent and coordinated uh, care. So when you talk to one doctor versus the other, you know you're getting a standard of care that meets a minimum quality uh, bar. But also if one day in the middle of the night, you call one of the doctors on call because your doctor is asleep (laughs) or on vacation, the other physician picking up is part of the same medical group and is accessing the same patient chart and is friends with that other doctor that uh, they can pick off where their colleague left off, right, as needed. So uh, in short, these are our physicians who, depending on whether they're part-time or full-time, maybe 1099 or W-2, but at the end of the day, work in our clinic as our clinic's mm-hmm. physicians. Is that, how does that work? Because with oftentimes when you, when you see a primary care doc and then you need the referral for a specialist, and do you, just like any other uh, organization, that you have some sort of affiliation or partnership with different health institutions that have the access to the specialists? So we're very similar to most primary care practices, right? Any practice at the end of the day, doesn't matter what specialty you're in, has a certain clinical scope beyond which they can't treat you. They don't have the equipment, the machine, the training for this type of problem or diagnosis or procedure. And so similarly, as a virtual primary care practice, there's things we can do, like manage your diabetes and blood pressure and asthma, and things that we can't do, like give you a vaccination or take care of your wound. So in that same spirit, for the things that we can take care of for you virtually, we do. And we'll handle it through that virtual interaction. And for the things that we can't, we refer out. But much like any other practice, you know, it's really at the end of the day, the patient's choice where they go next, uh, right? And a lot of times it's influenced by which other doctors are in network in the insurance plan of the patient so that the costs are lower. So in that sense, our doctors will say, hey, you should see a cardiologist or I think you need to go to a local clinic to get that vaccination done. And uh, we'll coordinate care. We'll send and fax the records over. We'll receive them back. Uh, But ultimately, the consumer chooses who is in network. They go to their insurance plans provider directory. And oftentimes, they'll end up at, you know, the, the local clinics and health systems that they're bound to anyways. And so this works all the same. Um, We don't particularly send patients to one regional partner over the other. You mentioned earlier that you were working at your uncle's uh, private practice, that you see some challenges that you think like this is something that maybe need to be addressed. And what are those areas that you think now HealthDev has addressing it? My uncle is a family physician amongst other specializations he has. And as a result, a lot of the patients that came in through the door every day had many of the common issues that you would expect. They needed a refill for their blood pressure medication. They were worried about some cough they developed. (laughs) Um, They're wondering if they need to get their heart health checked to make sure they're not going to have a heart attack one day. Um, You know, um, 
these types of things are actually very well managed virtually and are very appropriate uh, for one physician who knows you to be able to quickly give you a response because they already have your history and your comorbidities and the medications you're on in front of them and they remember it from prior conversations. Um, so it's very um, common, even in our virtual primary care clinic, to see a similar mix of patients who may come in the door because they are worried about um, developing a condition that runs in their family and they want to get tested for it. Or they have a chronic condition and they're experiencing some symptoms and need to know if they need to up their dose, down their dose, or get tested and somehow manage the symptom differently than the way we're doing. Uh, others just need a refill, right? And they ran out of their meds and they need a physician to refill it for them. Being able to do so by video or with a quick text message follow-up with a doctor that you already know is much more efficient than it is to physically drive to a waiting room that may or may not be close to your home, wait in that waiting room, make an appointment that is three weeks out in the future that may conflict with time you have work or babysitting duties or other things in your life. Uh, this allows you to do it from the convenience of work or home at a time of your choosing, often efficiently with same day, same week appointments uh, or without appointment at all because it's a quick text message. And so, you know, chronic condition management, prevention, wellness, screening, um, these are the types of issues that are perfectly suited for a primary care doctor. And by some estimates, by physicians themselves, 70 to 80% of what primary care is does not require physical touch or, or in-person presence. And so that's a significant majority of patient interactions, which can be virtualized and done much more conveniently and efficiently than they're done today. Well, that's great. I think there's a lot of uh, shortages as well on uh, primary care. I think if you can make it more efficient, that's help helpful for everybody. I want to shift gear a little bit. Um, thank you. Uh, I want to shift gear a little bit about now that you have started the company, the company are at a certain stage. What are the lessons learned that things that you know now that you did not know then that you wish you knew? even though I know there's life, it doesn't work like that. There's so many lessons. Um, I think one of the most general lessons for anyone thinking about entrepreneurship and especially entrepreneurship in healthcare is that the journey and the road is often longer than you plan. Uh, and it's a nature of the beast. Okay, when you're operating in an industry that is, as regulated as healthcare is as mission critical, <laughs> life critical to people with so much responsibility on data, security, and privacy, on clinical quality and outcomes uh, and compliance. Uh, there are many hurdles you need to clear. And oftentimes, a way of thinking, especially when you're doing something innovative, like creating a new medical device, innovating on a new type of procedure creating a new software application or algorithm or AI to manage or screen for something that didn't exist before, it will be met with a healthy amount of resistance that exists for a reason, 
right? The, the bar for change in healthcare is appropriately very high because getting it wrong is very costly. Getting it right is very impactful, but getting it wrong is very costly. And so the work that innovative companies need to do often requires a lot of educating and convincing stakeholders, whether it's government agencies or physicians and health systems or payers who need to be convinced there's ROI to reimburse the thing. And it's very different from starting a new photo sharing app or an online social game. Mm-hmm. And so anyone, I think, going into this space needs to have a long-term view on any organization or venture that they're building. That change will not come quickly. It will come slowly, but when it comes, it will come all at once, right? So once you clear Mm -hmm. those hurdles and you have really created something that is truly impactful, then it often opens up the floodgate to a lot of impact all at once. That could be getting FDA clearance. It, it, it could be, you know, w- you know, getting an official reimbursement agreement with a payer. Um, but that's important because we too often hear stories in the news about tech startups that became these big unicorns and huge successes in one or two years of founding. It's just not how it usually works in healthcare. And often, actually, even 99% of the time for tech companies, it takes a lot longer, too. It's not just healthcare. You only hear about the outliers. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think the the headline is a very dangerous thing. Yes. Sometimes, you, if you think that is what life is, based on what the headlines out there. You mentioned earlier on your uh, lesson learned when you do the gaming, uh, that the reward, you know, even the entrepreneur, the reward takes a long time. What are the things that you do to keep you going? Because you don't have the instant gratification, big things that's just, you know, all the balloons just floating as you push the button, like the jackpot. That's, it's very important to find a source of motivation and inspiration in your day-to-day work as an entrepreneur. If you, because you need that patience before your big vision or mission for your startup takes off, you need to find the wins on a daily basis that provide you that necessary motivation inspiration i think in the case of health tap or anyone providing care to patients on a day-to-day basis the, the feedback comes through the patient testimonials they're so profound you know when someone says you saved my life or you took me from a moment of pain and stress and turned it into a moment of relief and happiness there is no greater reward, honestly, if you could spend your whole career and just save one life, it seems a life worth living. And to get that sort of sentiment from patients on a regular basis is so powerful and motivating. So that's one of the flip sides of working in an industry like healthcare, where working in a... (laughs) online social gaming industry, you'll get people complaining that uh, they didn't get their points that day or, or, or there's, there's, there's a bug when they tried sharing their photo and it's like, okay. Uh, but, but in healthcare, when you do get those positive testimonies and feedback, it is each one counts that much more, right? Whether good or bad, you take it much more personally and with much more importance as you should. 
the stakes are much higher. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, well, thank you. There's so many more questions that I could have asked, but we're out of time. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your insight and your story. I learned a lot about the whole gaming, changing people's behavior. Uh, I think uh, um, I'm glad you do the, this great work that you're doing. Thank you. And it's an honor to be part of uh, the Roseman Institute's program here. And you guys are doing wonderful work and I uh, wish you lots of uh, luck as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. The Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.